All right, the January 2021 Hunt Panel discussion is going live right now. Let's do it. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. We're rolling. Here we go. Guys, welcome to episode number 54. This is Jim Huntsman, the host of the Western Huntsman podcast, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio in Hayden, Idaho. I about ran out of air there. <laughs> How you guys doing? I know uh, I'm doing good up here in North Idaho. We're uh, just kind of watching this crazy shit go down all over the place uh, within the country and uh, uh, just hoping things don't implode, you know. Um, so... Welcome to the episode. We're going to stick to talking hunting on this show because uh, that's what I like to talk about the most. And I got a great episode lined up for you guys today. And this is going to go along the lines of the hunt panel that I told you we were going to be doing, uh, you know, once or twice a month. And so far it is once a month because they're they're kind of hard to coordinate everybody to get on, on at the same time and record and all that. But this one is a really good one. The topic for this month is called the Adult Onset Hunter. And what I did was I, I found I found three hunters that have just been doing it for uh, no less than one year or no more than three years to talk about uh, what it's like being an adult onset hunter and how they came about becoming a hunter and, um, you know, things all along that topic. It's a really good discussion. And what I, I my thought was is I wanted to get uh, people like kind of all over the West to talk about this. And I, I managed to do that for the most part. Uh, I am missing somebody from like the Southwest area, but that's okay. Uh, from Western Washington, I've got uh, my pal, Will Weber. And from Rifle, Colorado, I've got uh, my pal, Mike Cooper. And from up in my neck of the woods, I've got my pal, John Uresti. And Uresti, shoot, shit. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> uh, hey, buddy, if I didn't pronounce that right, I'll uh, buy you a beer. Sorry about that. But I've got, I've, so anyway, the point being, we've got, Different people from kind of different backgrounds with different perspectives as to how they got involved with hunting and how it's worked out for them. So you guys are really going to like this. Before we get into that, I want to talk real quick about the trivia question that we had from last week's episode. And that question was, what subspecies of elk has the largest antlers and what subspecies of elk has the largest body? So this one's tricky. Okay, so right now, living elk. Subspecies. The Rocky Mountain elk has the largest antlers in North America. So if you got that, you got it right. For largest body, that would be the Roosevelt elk. I told you guys it wasn't the same elk. I give you a hint. However, there's like a caveat on this one, uh, which is really interesting. The right answer would have been an extinct subspecies of elk called the Irish elk. And uh, it's funny. I actually... Didn't know that when I recorded the episode, and I, I started looking into it a little bit deeper after I recorded and put the episode out, so I could be prepped for this week. And I'm a, you know, I'm, a, yeah, I'm just a damn good student. I tell you what. Anyway, 
check that out. And uh, that Irish elk popped up, and a few of you uh, wrote in talking about the Irish elk. So pretty interesting if you think about it. And uh, it's just uh, we're going to have another. So anyway, the point being, if you answered that, and uh, whether you were right or wrong, uh, if you answered that question, you wrote in and you used the subject line, you put in the subject line trivia uh, or trivia question, whichever one works for me, I don't care. Uh, I entered you guys into the drawing that we're going to be having in March, and it's going to include a Phelps package, uh, an elk calling package, and uh, probably some Western Huntsman swag. So keep doing that because we're going to have another trivia question next week. And I don't have one for you this week because I'm trying to keep this intro super short uh, so we can get right into it with the hunting panel. So that is for the January hunting panel um, is the adult onset hunter that I was telling you about. We're going to have another one coming out in in February, and that one's going to be a little bit more based in uh, like draws and getting tags and and hunters that um, go to different states and hunt. Uh, because I think that I've one thing I've learned from getting emails and messages from you guys listening is there are a lot of you that like to travel to different states and hunt. And I'm with you. You're one of my peeps. I like to travel to different states and hunt. And so we're going to talk about that on, on the uh, next uh, the next hunter panel uh, coming up. So we've had the elk panel back in January. I'm sorry, December. So if you haven't listened to that one, you got to check that one out. That was with Dirk Durham, Chris Rowe and Joe Gillia. And uh, it was a really good episode. It was really popular. I uh, appreciate all the downloads we got on that. That was cool. And so this month, it is the Adult Onset Hunter, Mike, Will, and John. They're going to tell you all about it, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Next month is going to be about tags and draws and traveling to different states and uh, talking about all things all things non-resident, kind of, in a way. And then the the panel after that, I haven't decided, but um, I, I actually have a couple of ideas, but I do want to get your guys' take on that. If you have an idea for the hunter panel for March, like a topic idea, you know, we've talked elk, we're talking adult onset hunters, we're talking tags and draw systems in different states. Uh, what other topic would you like to hear about? Um, like I said, I've got some ideas, but if you guys have one that is just really stands out and you, you think it'd be a good topic or you want to be on that one or, or whatever, let me know. Uh, write to me at jim at the Western and I'll check that out. Guys, without further ado, let's get into it with John, Will, and uh, Mike down in Colorado, and let's kick it off. Here we go. All right, guys. Today, I am doing a really special episode uh, along the lines of the hunting panels that we've been talking about on the show in the past here. We uh, started off with the elk panel, and this month, what we're doing is uh, kind of a new idea, and uh, it's called the Adult Onset Hunter Panel, and we have three really good, cool dudes on the show today, and I want to introduce them. I'm going to have each one of them tell them a little bit about uh, themselves, and we're going to roll right into this conversation. So first of all, guys... Uh, Will, Mike, and John, I, I really appreciate you guys being on the show, and it is uh, it is a pleasure, and I think we're going to get a lot of really cool information out of this, so I appreciate it, first of all, and I have got from um, Washington, Will Weber, from Rifle Colorado, Mike Cooper, and uh, somebody that is practically my neighbor, it sounds like, uh, John up in uh, North Idaho. John, what part of North Idaho are you in? I'm in Sagal. 
Oh, okay. So, so you're, just, you're about a half an hour up the road from me. Yep. Yep. Just yep. south of the Long Bridge. And uh, we have uh, the, the point with this is these guys, either I reached out to them or they reached out to me after I kind of made a call, like a, I don't know, what do you call that? Like a casting call? <laughs> that, sounds pretty, <laughs> that sounds pretty legitimate, right? So it's uh, like a casting call uh, that, we, that we did. And they all uh, met the parameters of um, their, their adult onset hunters. Uh, they've, they've gone out, uh, probably no more than about three seasons under their belt. And I think that, uh, both uh, veteran hunters and new hunters and adult onset hunters and youth hunters and everybody, uh, we're just going to be able to get a lot of inf- information and learn a lot out of this. So, uh, why don't we start with Will? Will, why don't you tell us uh, where you're from and, and a little bit about your background, what you do, and, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Uh, my name's Will Weber. Uh, my buddies call me Iron Will. Um, I'm based out of Marysville, Washington, about 30 minutes north of Seattle. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I got two young boys, Liam, who is uh, about to turn seven, and my baby boy, Drew, who is about to turn three. Oh, nice. Uh, My uh, beautiful wife, Kelsey, and I have been together for 16 years. Uh, We met in high school and been married for 10 this coming year. Um, Good deal. This last year, I was able to connect uh, with a pretty neat and uh, really tight backcountry family um, that kind of welcomed me in and have, uh, and have been mentoring me. Um, and we got some some pretty cool and some pretty big things coming in 2021. So You're talking about Johnny Mac, right? The Soulful Hunter podcast? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you just a little bit of background before we get too, too far into that and let the other guys jump in here. But... Uh, yeah, Johnny Mack with uh, Washington Backcountry and the Soulful Hunter podcast. Um, he's actually been my biggest inspiration this last year for getting into it. And it was it was one vulnerable phone call to him when he reached out to me. Um, and I actually ended up doing my very first big game hunt um, with him and his team. Um, and over this last year, he's quickly become one of my best friends. So, man, I gotta tell you, like if you, if there's somebody that, uh, you're going to learn to hunt from, uh, Johnny Mack is, is one of the dudes I would recommend. He's such a good guy. He's got a great podcast called the hunters or I'm sorry, the soulful hunter, soulful hunter. Yep. Tremendous guy. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. So, uh, that's awesome. He actually recommended you, uh, to me for this show. So, uh, excited about that. We'll get more into detail with that. Mike, do uh, you want to pick pick up from there from uh, down in Colorado and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Colorado. I've uh, worked for the Rifle Police Department for the past 20 years uh, here on the kind of the western slope of the state. I'm about 90 miles from the Utah border, so I'm still mm-hmm. in the I'm still in the mountains, a little bit of high desert. Um, I I hunted a bit as a kid. Uh, never really, never got anything, uh, lifelong unsuccessful hunter. I bow hunted uh, then, and I did a little rifle hunting. And then oh, a few years ago, I, I always enjoyed shooting a bow and I, I kind of got back into just into archery, doing some, uh, 3d and some indoor archery. And, uh, that kind of got me back into bow hunting, um, a little bit kind of opposite of will I, I end up, uh, through work schedules and things like that, I, I just end up hunting alone. So I've been solo hunting the past three years for elk and, and elk, deer, and bear. Uh, wow. here. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of, it has, you know, plenty of its own own challenges. I tend, I've been backpack hunting 
uh, kind of a mixture of backpack and day hunting. You know, I, I live in great elk country. That's the beautiful thing. Uh, but, yeah, you do. <laughs> and you know, and I, I want to tell you, Mike, too, uh, just from, and I speak for uh, many people in this audience that uh, appreciate your service as a policeman and, and uh, it's a tough job, and and uh, we're sure happy to have guys like you out, out there, uh, like you, willing to do this. Absolutely, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Um, did did I cut you off, or were you finished there? Or? No, no, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, uh, again, thanks for thanks for what you do, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you, and uh, really, really appreciate it. So, John, that leaves us with you, my friend, up there in uh, Sagal, Idaho. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, Jonathan, uh, your SD. So moved okay, up wait, here. Wait. John, do you do you prefer Jonathan or John? Um, to my friends, I go by John. Jonathan has been, uh, you know, more of a professional name I've been going by as I get older. Okay, okay. So you can call me John, Jim. All right, I appreciate it. We're friends, um, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, moved to North Idaho out of a draw of a hat from South Lake Tahoe in Northern California uh, two and a half years ago. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. No, uh, my girlfriend and I decided we were going to move from Tahoe where we wouldn't be able to ever buy a house. And um, this is where we landed. How, how'd you guys pick North Idaho? Um, so I had a buddy I worked with um, for Tahoe Sport Fishing who was born up here in Coeur d'Alene. And then she was working at uh, the casinos as a cocktail server talking to people about, you know, who, what, when, where, where they're from and all that. And uh, so we had Vermont, Colorado, Oregon, and North Idaho. And we both drew North Idaho, and this is where we are. And so that uh, – because that's quite a spread, like Vermont versus North Idaho. That's pretty yeah. – I, I just that was, that, was that. that was her choice. That was her choice. That wasn't mine. <laughs> she, she liked the Vermont idea, huh? Well, yeah. I, I tell you what, it's a, for, for being a hunter, I, I think you guys made the right call. Well, and that's so – you know, grew up as a fisherman. Um, fish you know my whole life caught, i think caught my first fish at like 18 months old wow um, nice. yeah little stick and you know piece of string and a worm you know but right on um, so i grew up and a fisherman many? go ahead oh no keep going keep going man okay. i didn't mean to cut you off oh it's all right um grew up a fisherman uh got a buddy when i was about 15 who was into hunting and started going with him here and there never Shot a couple ducks here and there and uh, some doves, but never uh, any big game animals. And, you know, as you grow older, you grow apart. And then, uh, you know, we moved up here and uh, figured why not start hunting. So, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So how many seasons have you been out? Um, Two seasons. Two seasons. So you're two seasons into it. Will, you mentioned this was like your first season. Yep. Um, and Mike, you had gone a few times as a kid and, and how many as an adult have you been out hunting? Uh, three, this past was my third season. This was your third season. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. So now we got kind of an idea of, uh, who everybody is and, uh, the, just so the audience knows, I, I didn't know any of this before, uh, we actually jumped on. So we're all kind of learning together here. So I want to talk about how we, we go from, you know, we're, we're going through life, uh, and, and we may have views on hunting or, or maybe you didn't. Um, and you're, you're kind of 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than you're chugging along and all of a sudden it, it, it hits you. I want to be a hunter and I want to know how that process happens. Uh, because I, it's, it's so very varied in terms of like, you know, I grew up hunting and, uh, most of the people that I hunt with grew up hunting, um, with the exception of, uh, somebody that I've taught to hunt who grew up in, in Las Vegas and had never done it before. And, uh, I got to teach him how to hunt and that was a really cool experience for me. Um, and so I'm curious, like, what was your guys's view on hunting prior to you starting to be or becoming a hunter before you became a hunter? What was your view on hunting? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, um, I grew up in, uh, I was actually raised in Enumclaw, Washington, which is a, it's a farming community, small town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I got three brothers. We all did K through 12 there. So you run across the same teachers, that type of town. Um, everybody hunts there, um, except for me and a few of my friends who are in sports. It was kind of either you played sports or you hunted. Um, mm -hmm. I know that feeling. And, and I always had an itch um, to hunt. My uh, couple of my uncles who live back in the Midwest, uh, my mom's side, um, they're hunters, but I, I didn't really – wasn't really privileged with the ability to really get to know them growing up. Um, but I did know that they hunted. Um, and then a few people on my wife's side hunt um, down in California, like wild pigs and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, hunting just, it's that old cliche, like you said, Jim, it, it seems like one of those things that was, uh, you know, a father or grandfather passed down to a son and you come up in it and, and then, and then that's what you are. But, I, I didn't grow up in that. Nobody in my family were gun owners. Nobody in my family hunted. Um, and mm -hmm. then, uh, but, but I so have kind Will, of, you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you, you'd mentioned you'd like, you'd always had this itch for hunting. Yeah. What stopped yeah. you from being a hunter earlier? Um, well, kind of like I'd spoke with Johnny about, um, in depth quite a bit on his podcast and whatnot hunting the hunting community from the outside looking in is intimidating um mm -hmm. and it's not having kind of a it, you get this idea that from you know veteran hunters and stuff like that that it's not something you just jump into they're not willing to take you out and show you stuff um you know, because there's kind of, to me, there's this stigma around, well, taking them out, that I'm showing them my spots, and and I'm putting yeah. them on animal, and this, that, and and so it's, it's a matter of, you kind of fall into just what you're comfortable doing. So, like, I summed it up as, for me, personally, growing up, and not like an arrogant thing, but I played sports, and I was athletic. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of friends who were in that type of, type of activity and stuff, so it's like, you know, everything that I seemed to get involved in i was in the upper tier of being decent at um sure. so you kind of naturally i fell into this life of following the things that i'm i'm good at that i know that aren't that intimidating um and then finally when i when i hit 30 the other year i just decided to make myself vulnerable that was like my that was my intent for the year was to become vulnerable put myself out there um, knowing that I'm going to probably dive into a community where I know the least of the people I'm probably going to be around. Um, mm -hmm. And that totally turned out to be the case. Um, but 
you know, the hunting community, there is a large community out there that is willing to do exactly that and mentor people, take them under the wing or put them in contact with people like Johnny referring me to you to talk about this or my buddy mm -hmm. Drew referring me to Johnny. Um, it's it's a lot more open of a network than than I think it's made out to be. Yeah, that's one of the questions that, that came to mind when you were describing that is, you know, when you, you'd mentioned that the from an outsider looking in, the hunting community seemed intimidating and maybe uh -huh. maybe not as open as you'd like to see. Um, and and for, for me, I want that to change. I want that to change for sure. And I know 100%. some people some people might roll their eyes when I say something like that, because, you know, we we talk a lot about how crowded the woods are and, and how many hunters there are and non-residents this and residents that and all these things that uh, create a lot of infighting uh, amongst the community. But all that aside, it, it, it's critical that we keep our hunting numbers up. And so uh, I do want that to change. But you had mentioned that and the intimidating uh, factor. Once you got into hunting and and were exposed uh, to the hunting community, did did that change your uh, like perspective as to how the hunting community is at all, or did, was it kind of what you expected? Um, it definitely it definitely changed in the sense that I do think that there's still outliers out there, and there's definitely a community of veteran hunters out there that are old school and still you know, probably don't, like you said, they probably don't agree with that outlook of wanting to bring in a bunch of, you know, and, and new hunters, it's across the board. I mean, it's, it's not a 10 year old. It's not a 20 year old. I mean, it can be anybody. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just turned 31. Um, you know, there's guys in their forties, fifties that are just going out for the first time. There's our kids, you know, I want to raise my kids in that, in that type of provider lifestyle. Um, so it definitely changed my, I didn't realize how big of a network you could get into. Once I met Johnny and his, his buddy, Tony, and kind of the guys at, at uh, Washington backcountry. And then, and then that opened a bunch of doors to a whole new community. And then ever since I did the soulful hunter podcast, I've had, I've had veteran and new hunters reaching out to me, um, saying that that episode was super inspiring, that they're getting a lot of, uh, military vets are now taking chances and getting out in the field and, and, awesome. you know, it's, it's just it feels good to to inspire people. And um, I'm I, I feel like I'm kind of a perfect candidate for for getting into pushing that message, because I was definitely not one who was one to make myself vulnerable or reach out or, or do things like that. And and one phone call to Johnny when he when he told me to give him a call, which was at the time was not something I would normally do. You know, I don't sure. know. I, I've never met him. Um, I just called him and it was a brotherhood started and it's just been, I mean, I'm, I, I just got awesome. my first year, my first year of hunting and I'm on, and I'm doing my second podcast talking about my journey. I mean, it, it's pretty wild. No, that's, that is super wild, man. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I was, I've been hunting all my life. Like I told you, I never went on a hunting podcast until I started my own. So that's, uh, that's yeah. pretty fantastic. <laughs> really cool story. I uh, love hearing that kind of stuff. And, uh, Gosh, just a, another thanks and shout out to Johnny Mack for for being setting such a good example. And admittedly, I have not listened to that episode on purpose because I didn't want to uh, have any kind of in, inside information uh, on you prior to you coming on this episode. So uh, now I'm now I'm excited. I'm going to go back and listen to that episode. So let's switch gears to Mike and and kind of go with the same question, Mike. Um, you know, how did you view hunting prior to you becoming a hunter? I know you had some time as a kid hunting, 
uh, and then and then you kind of it, it went away or whatever. You stopped hunting, uh, probably pretty focused on your career and you know things of that nature. So how did you view hunting? Um, I, you know, I grew up in a not so much my immediate family as hunters, but my but my cousins, uncles, you know, everyone hunted a lot a lot of subsistence hunting um, growing up. So I was always interested in it, uh, as well as always an avid hiker. Uh, and just spending time in the backcountry ever for as long back as I can remember. But again, my immediate family wasn't that into it. So those hiking trips uh, and backpacking and camping were all done. I mean, from very young, uh, essentially doing that stuff by myself or occasionally with my cousins who were quite, you know, significantly older than I was. So, uh, and they, they were the ones in fact that that did take me hunting uh, before I would go, you know, start to try to go out on my own. But uh, but as I grew older, you know, it, I think never really connecting with any animals. Uh, and then as I grew older, I just really fo- focused on, you know, to some degree on my career. But I, I, you know, I really got into rock climbing and mountaineering, um, that you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was a, you know, a, again, I, I really liked archery, but I ended up having an accident where I was a mechanic for a while and ended up cutting a portion of my middle finger off. And, and this occurred. Um, kind of before releases were a thing. I'm, I'm 50, so we're talking like, you know, 19, the late, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, and you know, shooting a bow, a bear, shooting bear bow, you know, with no release, missing a chunk of your middle finger. I kind of hung, up, hung yeah. up the bow. <laughs> that was the end of that. And I, I never really, <clears throat> I never really picked it back up. Never had any. Uh, opposition to it. I mean, a lot of the, you know, part of the issue was, you know, switching jobs or switching career fields. A lot of the guys I worked with hunted, so they would have seniority and get hunting season off. I'd always end up working. So that, you know, you just don't, I seem to have less and less, even though I live in great country for it, uh, less and less opportunity. And then all stuff, things I still battle with is just a little bit of uncertainty about, you know, to take breaking down an animal or um, how far mm-hmm. back can I go? Uh, I'm in decent, I'm in de- decent shape, but, but when you knock an elk, how far back am I willing to go, uh, you know, and, and uh, have to pack have to deal with that. Yeah. Packing one of those suckers out. Uh, I'll bet, I'll bet like having that experience with the mountaineering stuff that you were into, did that help a lot for, for hunting? Yeah, it did. It definitely did. Uh, I am very comfortable. Uh, I, I'm also, you know, I'm also the vice president of our search and rescue team here, so I'm very comfortable in the backcountry. Um, I, 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 I use a GPS a lot, but I always have a, a map and a compass, and and I, I enjoy orienteering, so I, I like working with maps and kind of reading t- terrain and and you know when you. It's kind of, it was just, I don't want to say it was a natural progression, but it's something I was very interested in. When then you start put, putting in, um, looking looking for stuff, rather than just out there hiking around, I'm out there trying to find where am I going to find animals, looking, trying to equate like what I'm seeing on a map or on Google Earth to, to real topography and connect the dots as to where am I going to find animals um, and how could I get in there dealing with wind and things like that? So, you know, mentally, I like those kinds of, uh, those kinds of challenges. You and like putting again, the, 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 the pieces of the puzzle together on a hunt. You're, you're one of those kind of guys, right? Yes, for sure. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then having that comfort, just like I said, that 
you know, I don't get weirded out by weather. Um, to, you know, to, so things go wrong, you know, back there, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I enjoy being back there. And, you know, I think I would probably enjoy it more having to hunt, being able to hunt with somebody. I mean, be able to share a camp with somebody, maybe. I don't know that I'd want to hunt with someone, if you know what I'm so you're 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 mainly hunting solo then is that that's yeah. what you're saying yeah. yeah yeah i've never i hunted turkeys once with someone the rest of the time i've been hunting by myself gotcha gotcha and, and i think a lot of hunters they they have they get this kind of impression or i don't know if that's the right way to put it they get they get a a sense of people have these preferences as to whether they're kind of group friend hunters versus solo hunters um, I'm definitely a solo hunter, but that does not take away from the fact that I love the camaraderie and going hunting with other other people and friends and family, uh, because there's something to be said for that, and and that's a big deal. Uh, but but there's also something to be said for being way out there on your own in the woods, um, and and it's just like you against nature. You know what I mean? And so it's it's really hard sometimes um, when, when some certain invites come up and it's like, ah, man, you know, that sounds great, but uh, I'm going out on my own this time, (laughs) you know, but that's, that's always super interesting. Mike, I I have a couple of questions for you that they're a little bit off topic. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, So I, what the, the first one is being kind of along the lines of, of your, you're in the, uh, search and rescue, right? Yes. Can you give can you give us a little bit of insight as to like one of the biggest things that triggers a search and rescue operation that people make the mistake of doing and 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 it kind of puts them in that predicament? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's for sure it's just a, a a lack of preparation. I mean I would say there's there's two things that are um, that are the most common in in, uh, in kicking off a rescue, and it's just a, a maybe a lack of preparation, or um, kind of goes hand in hand, but some some uh, weather that that was really unseasonal weather. You know, this year, I mean, everybody knows like Colorado. You know, or early uh, we got snow in early archery season, um, which really didn't. Yeah. I did hate too. I guess I don't know statistically, but it seems like bow hunters. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say they're more prepared. I would imagine there's just fewer of them. Um, but we've had fewer rescue missions kick off with in archery season um, than we do in, in rifle season. But we also had a, a pretty significant snow, a few snows in uh, first rifle that stranded. You know, people were. They. I mean, they haul in massive fifth wheel campers and whatnot. And there was no hauling them out. I mean, it, it dumped a lot of snow in the backcountry. So, um, yeah, so those, that sucks. Those, you know, I mean, you know, you never are going to be able to adequately predict the weather. And if you haul a, a big camper into the backcountry and it snows, you're just going to have to be prepared to leave it. And that's that's essentially. Yeah, man, I, I I have a buddy down in Utah. Uh, those those uh, real high elevation mountain kind of areas that that we used to hunt down there. He drug his trailer up there and it, it exactly what you said. And it wasn't like some big monster fifth wheel or anything, but it was a decent sized camping trailer. Got it stuck and was able to get his truck out and left his trailer there. And his only hope was basically going to go back and get it in the spring when the snow melted. Well, during the winter, the snowmobilers went up there and decided to make like a jump out of his trailer and totally destroyed the thing. And so. Wow. <laughs> Something, uh, 
something crazy. But no, that's uh, one of the interesting things you said there is you, you don't see as many rescues uh, during the archery season as you do for rifle season. I, I imagine you're right. It's probably there are less archery hunters. Um, but uh, I don't know. There could be a mindset thing there in terms of preparation. And it's just a I don't know. I don't know how that that plays out. Uh, are you ready for my second question? Yes, sir. Because this one's really important. When, how soon can I expect you to put an APB out for the rifle police department to know not to pull me over and give me a speeding ticket when I'm coming through town? Is that, is that the right term? Are you going to do an APB or whatever? Look <laughs> out. Um, all right, John, it's, it's your turn to describe your perception on hunting prior to becoming a hunter. All right. Um, so growing up, my dad had gone hunting a couple times, brought some deer home. Um, you know, I was always intrigued by it, but it just never seemed to fit into the schedule growing up. Um, and then I had my buddy growing up who I went hunting with and, you know, I always, I was always extremely interested in it, you know, um, wanted to go, but growing up in Northern California is so much private property. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, when when I went with my buddy, you know, they, him and his dad, they pay for a lease so they can go hunt a piece of property in the fall for deer season. So, you know, I I never really had a chance to go, but I always wanted to, and it was always a, just a big, uh, you know, a big dream, pretty much. I guess you would say to go mm -hmm. out and and then, um, yeah, it's you know, moving to North Idaho, pretty much just everything just fell into place and yeah. And, and you're, you're up, you're up in an area, you don't have to go very far. Um, to, no. to get into some good hunting. So, uh, nope. yeah, this year, me, go ahead. Uh, do you, I just, just a, a side question. Do you fish that Ponderay Lake quite a bit? Do I what? Fish it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that lake. It's huge. It's <laughs> too much. I have a little, I have a 12 foot boat. No. Oh yeah, I wouldn't go out in that thing on on that lake. I'll, I'll have to, I have to check the weather. I have to check the wind. I have to check it uh, previous. I have to check future, and then I'll go out for two hours. <laughs> for for people that big. listening that don't know, Ponderay Lake is in North Idaho, and it's a monster lake. And I mean, it's so big they do like submarine acoustical training in it, and it's eleven hundred feet deep, and uh, it's a pretty intimidating lake, and I have a heck of a time fishing it. I I can catch fish everywhere else, but on that lake, I I really struggle. So <laughs> I always have to ask people how how they do on that one. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a big one. So like uh, you you brought up a point, John, that that makes me question, and and we'll kind of describe this. Um, but like, what was as being an adult, and all of a sudden. Okay, for John, I moved to North Idaho, and uh, all of a sudden, hunting seemed like it made sense. But like, what was that straw that broke the camel's back for you? What what triggered you to say, okay, I'm getting hunter safety, I'm buying my first tag, and I'm going out hunting? So I got I went through hunter safety in California when I was probably 15. So my dad had hopes of taking me and my little brother and my stepbrother out hunting, mm -hmm. and it never happened. Um, but, you know, I had my hunter safety there and I bought my license, I think, in my hunting license in California three times to hunt four. You know, it was, you know, three different years and I hunted twice one year. And then, you know, one time I was a buddy duck hunting 
another time to go pig hunting, you know, and I only ever fired a couple, you know, shotgun rounds out to add some ducks, but, um, yeah. so I had my, I had my hunter safety course. And then, so I moved up here and, you know, um, our first year when we got here, we moved up Labor Day weekend, um, in 2018. Oh, right. right there at hunting season. That's exactly. And so, yeah. you know, we, we got into town, I'm seeing people, you know, loading their guns up in their truck, just out in the open, completely nothing like California. And I'm like, man, I, <laughs> was that like I, I'm missing out. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, I, these, I'm missing out. Idaho rednecks. They got, they were just walking around with their guns. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, and so my buddy's dad who, you know, um, really put the, the light in my eyes, I, I guess you would say about, you know, wanting to hunt and hunting. Um, he said, that's how it was in Northern California when he grew up, you know, everybody yeah. had guns in their truck. Deer season was open. And after school, everybody went deer hunting. That was, and then, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, and then also, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm missing out on all this, you know, great opportunity. Yeah. I steal a fish in California, but it's not, you know, I have to wait for it to rain and the fish to come in and, you know, the whole nine yards. And yeah, but it's, it's, I've that's, been enjoying that's what did it. You, you, you were suspicious that you were going to enjoy it. And finally you, you moved to an area where it was a little bit more, I guess um, easier to get into it uh, in a lot of ways, a lot more public land, a lot more opportunity. Uh, and that, that that's kind of what pushed you over the edge, huh? Yeah, exactly. How about you, Mike? Do you, do you have something that, that like was that, that trigger point? Yeah, I, I, uh, it was, it was a pretty quick progression. Like I, I, I bought a, I bought a more modern bow and was doing some 3d stuff. And then I, uh, at that time I was on patrol. So I was like chewing through podcasts, you know, working a 12 hour night shift. I would mow through podcasts like no other. And I got, I got kind of um, sucked into the, the, back when the, the gritty Bowman were going on and I, and listening to Aaron Snyder, uh, who's yeah. who got the shop here in Colorado, Kafaru. And, and I was looking at Love one of their backpacks. Yeah. You know, and I was looking at one of their backpacks anyway for, it was just for backpacking uh, for the, for the durability of it. And, uh, um, listening to him talk, I mean, very, very much, you know, uh, intrigued me about backpack hunting and archery hunting, uh, at the time. So it seemed like it was kind of that, that culmination, uh, of, of, uh, you know, hearing, listening to some of the podcasts about, uh, about it, um, really kind of sparked the interest. I was already kind of shooting the bow and shooting at foam animals. So I thought, well, I, I think I'm just going to go and and at that time I also I'd I'd gotten some enough years on uh, at work where I could I mean I I've got a ton of free I'm not married no kids uh, and a and a boatload of vacation time every year so I can I can really you know pick when I want to go and what time off yeah. I want to so it kind of was like that perfect storm and everything hit at once you know listening to listening to the podcast shooting some 3D stuff and then having more of an open schedule good deal. That's super interesting. Um, yeah, you, I imagine you have lots of freedom to, to hunt. Um, that's, uh, Will, you had, you had talked about how you had made the call to Johnny Mac, uh, and he kind of got you started, uh, at, at that point, what triggered you to make that call and what, what kind of set you off to make that decision to become a hunter? Yeah. So the, the big thing for me, it's a little deeper for me. So for me, it's, it's more the provider life mentality. Um, we're, uh, I'm the main breadwinner in, in my house. We made that choice when me and my wife got married once we had kids. 
Um, I got a couple of successful businesses that I'm partnered in. Um, I work some pretty grueling hour, hours sometimes to keep them going, but, but, you know, I do, we chose to sacrifice that so she can stay home and be with the kids and they can have their mom full time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and for me, it's about, I came to the realization in 2019 through some deep conversation with my wife about figuring out exactly what I'm here to do, what my purpose in life is. Um, and I came to the conclusion that it's, it's being a provider. That's, I'm my happiest when I'm providing, when I'm doing for others, um, or, or, or anything to that extent. Um, and I've always wanted to hunt, but then I thought about the idea of, well, I mean, right now I make the money and, and, and make it so she can go to the store and she can buy meat and put it on the table. But how cool would it be to go full circle yeah, and put that meat on the table? Um, and we leave, we, we live a pretty clean and healthy lifestyle, um, as far as diet and all those things are concerned and have since my first was born. Um, my wife's big into oh. that. Um, we're, we're kind of into homesteading right now. Um, oh, are you? Yeah. On our property, we, 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 we actually sold our first house we bought after just two years and we, we bought a fixer, um, on a little bit of acreage and, and we've been, we've been doing that whole thing with this last year. We, we processed our first meat chickens and we got egg laying chickens and she's big into gardening. Um, Oh, that's cool, man. And, we could, we could she, do like a whole podcast just on that because I we're, we we absolutely yeah, yeah we absolutely could and and then and then she actually consequently enough the coolest thing about probably this last year other than me hunting is she she actually uh, did her hunter safety certification as well because she wants to get into waterfowling. Um, so we'll have we'll have a little bit of opportunity. Um, and I know Johnny's wife did it as well. And, and, and Meg's and my wife have become pretty good friends. So yeah, um, that, that's what really drove me into it. And, and then being vulnerable, I made intent in 2020 to make myself vulnerable, to take chances and put myself in, in uncomfortable uh, situations to build new relationships. Cause, cause it was time to, to cleanse some relationships in my life, um, wipe away some stuff, create some new circles um, and, and 2020 was a, was definitely a ride of doing that. So, um, like Johnny, it, John, Johnny actually reached out to me initially. Um, we had a mutual friend who I met, um, who became one of my better friends. He mentioned to me about Johnny and, uh, Washington backcountry and through mine and Drew's conversations, he had mentioned Johnny a hundred times. Um, but, but he just happened to bring up that Johnny founded Washington backcountry and that was kind of their their motto, their kind of, their efforts, mentorship is conservation. Um, so he told me to look him up on social media. I looked him up on social media, added Washington backcountry on uh, Instagram. And literally within two minutes, Johnny messaged me. He, he slid into the DM, so to speak. And, uh, he said, Hey, you're Drew's buddy. Um, I heard you're interested in getting into hunting. We just started chatting. And then he just said, well, call me, dude, if you want to, I'm just sitting here running on the treadmill. So if you don't mind listening to me panting on the treadmill, give me a call. And, and then we had about an hour conversation and then it was just, it was, it was, I'm an all in guy. So it was just, it was both feet in from, from there on. Oh, cool. That's, that's awesome. I'm just, I'm messaging. We lost John here. I'm just messaging him right now. Um, it looks like he got, he somehow got disconnected there. <clears throat> um, 
I can't talk and type. I yeah, no, that will that that is really good stuff. I I like uh I like the the thought process that you put behind all this. And and Mike, you too, because you guys you guys both this is not like some surface level thing for you guys. It's deep, it's it's thought out. Um and uh oh, is that John? Jonathan, did we get you? Yep, I'm back. back? Okay, sorry, yeah. man. I don't know what happened there. Oh, it's the North Idaho internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club, buddy. Um, <laughs> don't ever start a podcast in North Idaho unless you live in town. That's all I'm going to say. Because, <laughs> But no, what what I was talking about there, John, uh, we, I was just talking, telling Will and Mike, um, that I, I love the, the heaviness of your guys's decision, uh, to, and, and we all have different reasons why we come to this. I never came to it because I, I, you know, and that's, that's what's, that's why it's so interesting to me is because it's just always been a part of me. Right. And it's, it's just, yeah. and, and so I, I don't have like this heaviness about it because it's just always been there. And so it just is, it is what it is. It's, it's just my life. And, and will you have an interesting take with the, with the providership uh, and, and how you want to support your family and how you guys want to have that kind of the, almost that homesteading side of it uh, where you're, you're able to provide everything yourself on your own sustainable property. And, and my wife and I are trying to do that and it's kicking our butt, honestly, but we're, we're trying to get, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, my wife has Dude. been, she spent, this, she spent this last year while I was out hunting. She, um, we actually have a commercial freeze dryer at our house. Um, oh, nice. So she actually, she actually prepared all of my backcountry freeze dry meals. Um, and she did a ton of stuff for, for future stuff for around the house. And she's big into canning and all that stuff. So it's like, it was like a, apocalypse preparation in my house for pretty much the entire <laughs> hunting season. And, and, uh, you know, the way the last year is gone, it's not a horrible place to be. <laughs> it's, it's not, it, it became, it was at some point where it's like, uh, at one point do I step in and say, maybe you're, maybe we should have an inner, uh, an intervention here. Cause you're yeah. going a little bit insane, but, um, mm-hmm. but, but I'm, but I'm big into it as well. So, um, this next, this year we're actually going to be taking a, a, a 10 or 12 day road trip with the kids and doing a little bit of traveling and coming through Idaho. So maybe we'll get a chance to meet and stop by and actually meet you in person. Yeah. Come by and give me some pointers on how to make this garden work because I'm a failure. My wife and I are failure. The only thing we grow great on our property are huckleberries and that's because they're wild and we don't do anything. You know, winter is a great time to get stocked up, geared up, and dialed in for this coming hunting season coming up in 2021. So I want to save you guys some money. And first off, let's start with Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots are the boot of choice at the Western Huntsman. And it used to be, Hoffman Boots used to be like this little North Idaho secret with their hunting boots. But these boots are great boots. They won't cost you as much as some of the other top name brands out there, but they are every bit as good. And to save it even a little bit more money, I want you to type in the promo code HUNTSMAN10 to save you 10% off at checkout. Now, i got to give you a fair warning real quick up front with Hoffman Boots. They're, they're like six weeks out right now on orders uh, because everybody is jumping on the Hoffman Boot train, and you should too. Next, i got Scree Gear, Extreme Mountain Gear. This high-performance hunting attire and gear is specifically tested for camel patterns throughout the North American continent, and it's backed by a great company. 
guys, Scree has a great history. I tested this gear all last season, and I put that gear through the ringer up and down, left and right, to and fro. Save you a little bit of money. Use promo code the Western Huntsman at checkout to save you 15% off and free shipping. That's a hell of a deal. Check out Scree Gear. ScreeGear.com. It'll be in the show notes. Last and certainly not least, Phelps Game Calls, the choice, the selected call company of the Western Huntsman officially for 2021. Guys, there's some uh, big things happening with Phelps Game Calls, and I can't say enough good things about this company. What a story. Started in a just like this workshop, and now it's one of the premier hunting call companies out there on the market. And if you haven't tried Phelps Game Calls, you're really missing out. You you really are missing out on those diaphragm elk reads. Uh, they are amazing, and they will. The amp frame is an absolute game changer. Check it out at Phelps.com and use promo code Huntsman10 at checkout to save you 10%. Let's get back into the conversation, guys. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. Here we go. Well, we uh, love the bears over here. It brings the bears in, man. Yeah, find for the bears, sure. Find the bears. That's right. That's right. I like your thinking. But we're so, actually going to do a little bit of a road trip because we're actually looking in this next couple of years to acquire some serious acreage somewhere and actually start building a bit of an off-grid place. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good for you guys. I, I We need to keep in touch because I'd love to talk more about that. For sure. Um, I, I, the, the one question that always pot or like sticks out in my mind with, with all three of you guys, um, was, was hunting love at first sight or was this something that it took a little time to grow on you? And I don't care who answers first. Uh, I can, I can jump in here for me. It was, uh, um, the process getting to my first hunt, which happened to be with Johnny um, and his his hunting partner Tony, and then a buddy of ours, Clint Easley, with Rebel Entertainment. Um, it, the process leading up to it, doing safety certification, um, and then like figuring out everything that you need. Right, it's that whole a good piece of advice I got once: the whole buy once, cry once. Um, mm-hmm. Try try and get what you need when you need it. I had this whole idea before I had even met Johnny that I, or, or before it developed anything that I was going to be doing more of like the out of the truck style hunting, not like road hunting, but you know, setting up base camp. Um, we'll put some miles in, but not trekking in more of a day hunting. Um, so I bought a ton of gear kind of like perceived around that. And it was, I mean, there are so many wormholes you can drive down on the internet and mm-hmm. hunting groups and stuff to figure out what you need and where to go and scouting and Onyx and all this stuff. And and then when I'm uh, my first hunt ended up being with Johnny and them on a four day uh, backcountry hunt for Washington Black Bear in August. Uh, we went nine miles in to set up base camp. Um, I had I had to pretty much flush my entire plan leading up to it get a whole bunch of new gear for the back country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until we made it to camp that I was completely hooked. Um, I, I joke about how the first mile and a half of that hike in, cause I was not a backcountry hiker either. I mean, that was the longest backcountry hike I'd ever been on. And we, we had full camp on our back. So we had 45 pounds mm-hmm. and, um, I found about every reason in that first mile to just say, Hey, 
turn around now, man. It's not too late. <laughs> um, but once I, once I hit camp and, and we hunted for those four days, it was the absolute most life-changing experience. Um, aside from seeing and, my kids born probably that, that I've had. And that, that was your first hunt trip out, right? So ever, that, ever. And so that could be, that could be summed up as for you, it kind of was a love at first sight kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and now, Absolutely. now you've got this mindset that this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Oh, for sure. John, what about uh, you? Was, was hunting like this love at first sight thing or, or how did, how did that, how does that look in your mind? Uh, it's still intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, let, let me you know, tell you, I, uh, I'm, I just turned 40 years old, been doing hunting it, my whole life. It's still intimidating to me. So, uh, I mean, yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what's, so last year when I did harvest my first big game animal, it, yeah, it was love at first sight at that point. When I realized this is coming home, I'm putting meat in the freezer. What, what, we didn't what, have to buy a, meat in my. Was that a deer or an elk or a? It was a deer. It was uh, November 1st, last year, 2019, um, opening day, mule deer season. And uh, oh, here you, in North Idaho. You got a muley, huh? Wow. Yep. You know you know that, that getting a mule deer in North Idaho puts you in like a pretty unique uh, club. There, there are not a lot of them up here. Yeah. <laughs> I found out once I took it to uh oh gosh what's his name John um uh the taxidermist there in, in Naples oh Naples I don't know no, and, I don't... oh gosh I can't remember his name right now but he 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 explained that you know this there, we used to be packed full of mule deer it's, up here and now yeah it, they've just it's really been out. yeah yeah he That's said cool. it's it was the first one in three years that he's seen from North Idaho awesome. Awesome. So love at first yeah. sight, you think? Uh, yeah, I would have to say it. And then once I looked at the four mile drag back, I was like, this is, hey, this is great. That, then it turns into hate <laughs> at first sight. It's yeah. Like, oh man, what did I, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. You drug, you drug a mule deer four miles. Yeah. It just snowed. So there was a nice, you know, and we were just right off a of logging road. You know how it is up here. Oh yeah. So I guess that, that wouldn't you know, be too we, bad, but, uh, you know, it's not a horrible idea to quarter that stuff out every once in a while alone here four miles. I'll do that next time. Most definitely. <laughs> That's <laughs> I awesome. brought I brought my little day I brought my little day pack. I didn't have, you know, the pack I have now that can actually haul meat. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, Well, I'm doing a trip back to the truck regardless if I'm hauling, you know, if I'm quartering this out. So That is cool. That is way cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Haul- Hauling a deer out four miles. That's pretty impressive, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, Mike, uh, you're up, man. How how uh, how do you look at hunting? Was it love at first sight? Was it something that took some time to grow on you? Uh, kind of describe that for us. I, I would not say uh, it was it was love at first sight. I, I the first hunting hunting I did um, was was turkey hunting, which which I enjoyed, but I didn't get a turkey. But I, I mean, I had fun. It was uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't a suffer fest, you know, um, it was just day hunting and, you know, I, I, I had a couple turkeys gobble and I did get to see one, <laughs> but that was, that was about the, the end of it. Uh, and then, and then, uh, I rolled into, to getting ready and deciding to go big game hunting. And I really enjoyed the, the process of getting ready of the kind of doing some scouting and, and, uh, I, I had most of the gear, um, 
already, but it was just gear selection. I really liked that part. Uh, and then when I got out there, it was just the, the lack of success, like not hearing, uh, you know, the, anything. And part of it was probably getting lulled into uh, a, a, an alter, a different reality. You know, I, I, I really uh, got in, I went through uh, Corey Jacobson's Elk 101 and really enjoy Chris Rose stuff. So, so I was kind of chewing through that and I'm thinking, man, these elk are everywhere. It's still great. And then I get up there and there's nothing. Uh, and I, and it was that whole season. I didn't, uh, I didn't see an elk track and I didn't have any, again, being uh, a solo hunter, you know, no one to bounce anything off of, um, as to, you know, there's one guy on, on our search and rescue team. Um, his name's Eric Wheeler and he was really encouraging. Like when I would, you know, get out of the back country and be a pretty, pretty down, he would say, just get back, get back in there, you know, find another spot or whatever. Um, but the, and the second season I ran into a lot of, a lot of, uh, ATV and crowding issues in the area that I was the only one in the year before. So. Um, oh, wow. It's crazy how that could change in one year, in isn't it? One year it was, it was, and it's not easy to get in there. It was a trek to get back in there and I'll go, I went in for the second season. It was, I'd hunted and, and second, second time I'd hunted elk, tons of people back in there. Then, um, I, my, I, I've, you know, I'm pretty friendly with the, the game warden here. He's my neighbor, just a, a great guy. And he's, he said, well, tr- you know, check out this other area. So I ended up hiking in there and I did hear, I, it could have been a hunter, but I heard something bugle and that got me, I was like, ah, oh, this, this is awesome. And then, uh, and then this year, um, up to this point, still not successful in any form. I, I do a lot of bow hiking and, and the, the rationale becomes <laughs> I can hike year round. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to buy a tag and go and wait and go hiking in September. I can do that year round. But this year I, I uh, actually was able to call in a spike. I, I got into some, some, I, uh, into some cows and I had a bunch of elk bugling. I just, it, it's been like this steady progression from the first time I, I went seeing absolutely nothing um, to this last time I went actually uh, getting into, getting into some elk. So it's, it's, it's all that, you know, it's, there's so many moving parts. It's the timing of it is probably some of the most crucial. And, and it's not just the timing of like when the elk are going to be active. It's when are you going to have less hunting pressure and, and you're trying to fit all those pieces together. But, um, mm-hmm. this year was, I've been, so it's that little bit of encouragement that keeps me and I'm more fired up this year than ever because I did, you know, have those interactions with elk um, that it, it just sucked. every year. It seems like I, I'm more committed. Um, I'm more committed going into the following season. There is, Mike, in in my opinion, nothing that will motivate you to pursue further into the rabbit hole of hunting than a screaming bull elk. Um, I, I just, it's, it's an undescribable feeling and, and that, is, that is super cool. Uh, one question it was when you said you called in that spike, was that spike bugling? No, uh, I just, um, I'd kind of hiked up into this, into a, just a, a very small clearing, mm-hmm. uh, and take a break. And I, and I hit, uh, I just did a couple mews on a cow call and all of a sudden I heard I didn't know what was, I mean, I heard branches breaking, 
there's nothing quiet about, I mean, these other guys, you know, there's nothing quiet about an elk moving through the forest. Nope. And I was like, what? The and sure enough, this thing came running and, and was looking around. So I hit a couple more, just a couple more mews on, on uh, my cow call. And he came in, I got, I took some pictures of him. You know, you, it's a four point or better uh, on antlered elk here. So, oh, was, gotcha. but I, he came within 20, uh, within 20 yards. Um, it was really neat. I mean, just, I was so pumped. And then, and then the, the last day I could hunt, I got into, uh, f- I was in the, about in the middle of five elk, just ripping bugles at last light. Oh, and uh, I've is- never, I mean, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I've never experienced anything like that. And it just, uh, it was, it was incredible. It is incredible. I, I, I live for those moments. I mean, I, I, and I, I'm not kidding you when I say that I, I live for those moments. Uh, and, and, uh, it's just, it's just something else when do do you got Will and John, are you guys elk hunting as well? Or are you guys mainly deer hunting? Or- yes, I am. You- I am elk hunting as well. All right, cool. And are you guys, yeah. what, what kind of elk hunting are you guys doing? Are you guys doing rifle or are you doing archery rut hunts or late season? Uh, this, this year I'll be doing archery. Um, I actually went out, like I said, late archery with my hunt partner, Doug, who had, um, he had a late season tag up here, uh, three point or better. We got within 40 yards of a cow elk and we had just missed the herd. It was fresh frost on the ground. Once the daylight came up, we realized there were about 30 or 40 fresh bed marks that you could tell because the frost Good was deal. melted. Um, awesome. and um, I actually saw Johnny had arrowed his cow elk one week prior to that um, in the same spot. We actually found his um, his gut pile. Um, that's oh, the first still time. there. Yeah, it was on top. Yeah, I was, was about craziest. to say the same thing. <laughs> no, it was the craziest thing. We th- it, it looked like it hadn't even been touched. Um, and it was a month it was, later? It was one, no, one week. Just oh, a week. week later. week later. Yeah, just a week. It's, but, it's uh, still surprising that it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's coming from us in North Idaho. <laughs> it definitely is. But to, to tell you the truth, I literally, I got such an itch, um, being on that, even though I didn't have a tag. And to be honest with you, I wasn't even into archery yet. And as soon as I got back in December, um, I actually got passed down uh, a nice bow from Johnny's hunting partner, uh, Tony, who's, who's in our group. Um, cause he's moving up and I've been shooting like crazy. And literally I just had my phone pulled out because one of the top goals that i wrote in my phone for this year was to archery elk hunt and to hear an elk bugle for the first time cool so um i'll definitely be i i got the itch for sure i i'm excited for you man um like i said there there's just there's there's no experience uh whether hunting or non-hunting that uh will will just hit your soul the way it uh a bugling screaming slobbering eyes rolled back in his head bull elk will do to you it's just insane so i even the videos you find on the internet can do that to you oh I mean, for just, sure for sure they're wild yeah and and you said you were too john you you're you're doing uh elk season during september or oh yeah oh sweet um so last year i did last year i did rifle season so mm-hmm. it was october um saw a lot of sign no elk um, then this year, early spring, I decided to switch it up and try to hunt the rut. Um, opening day, we had a bull come in about 75 yards. And then the next day we had a big one come in 
Yeah, it's uh, wow. nothing like a bugling elk. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll just from from my perspective, John. Like in North Idaho, I don't know how rifle hunters are even successful here. It's so broad. I don't either, so and thick. that's the thing. I, like, so I would not yeah. know how to hunt an elk in North Idaho with a rifle. You can't see them unless you call them in. And in my opinion, but well, yeah. Anyway, no, that's that's well, not so. We went out. My buddy and I went out. Uh, so I have, you know, this year I got the rifle tag as well, but I went out the first week during archery season. Yeah. And we had, you know, bulls coming in and then uh during rifle season we went out and it's it's uh it makes you nervous when there's gunshots just everywhere. Mhm. Yeah, sounds like D-Day. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So I I the, you know. the question that a lot of this leads me to guys is when when we're talking about getting into into hunting and and now you guys all sound, I I could just tell by the tones in your voices that you guys are super passionate. All three of you are are fired up about hunting, and I feel like all three of you are also going to be good stewards to the the hunting community, and uh, you know pass on that 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 torch and joining this this group of 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 folks that we just you know we we follow these primal instincts and we get out there and we want to hunt, and and that's that's part outside of our our uh, our families that's what we live for, and so. Uh, one of the questions I, I have that I wrote down here, cause I, I did write a series of questions here that I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, Mike, w- let's start with you because it sounds like you didn't have like an actual hunting mentor. You didn't have somebody that took you out and, and, and like really kind of showed you the reins kind of s- scenario. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I, can you expand on, on that? Did you, did you have any kind of mentor, that actually took you out or, or how did that happen for you? Uh, not one that took me out, but I did know people that hunted. They're just, they have their own, you know, their own friends that they hunt with and their own, uh, their own, you know, groups and, and, uh, and mm-hmm. schedule schedules and so on. So, uh, but I, but they were there, you know, especially like I said, Eric and, and uh, buddy Justin at work, um, were more than willing to, you know, give me tips or I'd show them stuff on a map. I said, Hey, what do you think of this spot? Or, um, you know, when should I, what, what chunk should I take off of the hunting season? You know, do I want to deal with the, the, the muzzle loaders being out there or um, how much attention should I pay to moon phase? I mean, there's so many different things you can go down. So I had some, some people I could, uh, bounce ideas off, but, but when the rubber met the road, when, when it was time to throw the pack on and, and, uh, and start walking, it was, it was just, it was just me. So I, I relied pretty heavily on, on, on the internet. I mean, I listened to, I listened to podcasts. I did a couple of those online elk hunting, you know, courses that I, I think mm-hmm. were, were definitely helpful. Again, I really liked, uh, Chris Rose calling stuff. And then, and then when I just hit the, the cow call and I got a elk to come in. I was, I was like, man, that stuff is that's money. Right? <laughs> You're like, man, so, that Chris Rowe knows what he's talking about. All of a sudden yeah, an elk came yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, so I, cool. I, you know, uh, that was, that was basically it. And it's just been the trial and error, I guess. And, and, you know, I, I I'm not going to say there's not some frustration when I, I see somebody post on, the internet, uh, you know, Hey, I, bu- I bought a bow at Bass Pro and went out and killed an elk. Never done it before. I'm like, man, mm. I've been killing myself, you know, with trying to, yeah, that's you know. always frustrating. There's always, and I say this a lot on the, on the podcast here, right? There's always, I hear it every year. 
somebody just experiences it's like they really lived right that year or something and god was like i'm gonna put an elk right off the road for this guy and and they get out of their truck walk 10 feet and there's a 300 class bull elk standing there and when they shoot it it rolls down the hill guts itself and lands right in the back of their truck and uh that that you're you're gonna always hear those stories by the way that just <laughs> it frustrates me too because I have never ever been that lucky. It is always serious work to get to the point of notching my tag. you know what I mean and so uh that's funny you say that how about how about I you think, guys? I think uh oh, go ahead go ahead Mike oh, no I was gonna say I think that's why listening to you know some of the some of the podcasts they don't they don't hide from that. If you listen to to uh, Remy Warren or or Aaron Snyder, they definitely say, "Hey, yeah, we got something," but it was mm-hmm. a ton of work, or you know, it wasn't just a gimme. It was uh, there was a lot of which you know helps. It's like I'm not the only one out there who's who's uh, you know struggling. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what about you, Will? Uh, what can you talk about? having a hunting mentor and, and what kind of impact that had on you? Uh, it was, it was tremendous. I mean, Johnny, um, Johnny has his hunting partner, Tony, um, Ellersick, who I've had the privilege of hunting with. Um, and I've kind of become a member of kind of the Washington backcountry family with my, my hunting partner, Doug, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other guys. So it's been, it's been really cool to be along on the journey. Um, they've provided a lot of firsts for me. Um, they're a group of guys who I can lean on. I mean, I can text Johnny anytime and, and, uh, get information from him or from Tony or Clint or Doug or, or any of those guys. So it's, it's, you know, for me, mentor, being a mentor or being mentored is about being part of a community. Um, and a, and a group of guys who are, are just willing to be open and, uh, lend support. Um, and, and Johnny's been that for me all last year. Um, and he actually introduced me to Doug, um, who I went on the elk hunt with and we've become good friends and we're going to be hunting partners this year and hopefully moving forward. So, good deal. um, awesome. the, the idea, the idea is kind of to shift. Um, we're all mentors to each other in some sort of way. I mean, if you have conversations with, um, Johnny about his mentored hunts that he sent up. Like when he took me out, um, he took Doug out on his spring black bear hunt with Tony last year. Um, that was his, that was his first, that was Doug's real first backcountry hunt, um, was with them. And, um, Johnny talks all the time about how he's learned stuff from the people he's mentoring when he's out with them. Um, taking new guys out and, and, not realizing maybe, you know, for instance, the physical aspect of it. I mean, we went nine miles in for our backcountry black bear hunt. Um, I've had a couple of low back surgeries. I had a hip surgery um, and I'm in pretty good shape, but there were questions about whether it could happen, but then you get out there and you do it. That's kind of, you earn your nicknames when you're on the hunt. Um, That that's where they're all developed. But, but you, uh, he started to realize he's like, you know, man, when we got back, I didn't even realize like thinking about the physical portion of it and just taking somebody out on something like that, not knowing if they're going to make it or they're not. Mm-hmm. And then what the mentored hunts about. So I don't think that you, 
you know, you should always be learning. So as much as he's teaching me stuff along the way and Tony is and, and, um, you know, he's put me in contact with you and now, and now I've met Mike and Jonathan and, um, it, they're learning from me too. And from other people, they don't, they don't know everything. I don't know everything. So for me, what it's provided mostly is just a sense of community. Um, and, and a sense of comfortability in the, in the, the industry, if you will, or in the network of hunters. So yeah. being able to have this conversation with, with you, Jim, who, like you said, you've been doing it, you're, you, you've just been doing it. It's just what you know. And, and Mike's, you know, later in life and he's, he's gotten into it and, and Jonathan's doing it. And, you know, for you having been hunting your whole life to still have that mentality now to want to mentor and kind of build the community and, and get people involved. I think, I think that's, it's pretty cool to realize it and want to do it when it's something that has just been natural to you. Well, I, I appreciate that, Will. And I want you to hold that thought for a minute for the next question, um, kind sure. of along those lines. So, um, because, uh, that the part of the goal with, with this episode is I want veteran hunters that they may have suspicions about somebody that they know that wants to get into hunting and and they haven't uh taken them under their wing and i i I want i want hunters out there that that uh you know i i always look at it like me like i am not a prolifically successful hunter right i i don't go out and notch every tag i get by any means and very few hunters do but i can sure as heck take uh, uh somebody that's never done it and i can i can teach them in a way that builds a fire and a passion uh because that's what it is for me this is a fire and a passion and it's important to me. And and so part of the, the, the goal of this episode is I, I want hunters to think about that. Who can you take out and and add somebody that is valuable to this community and and create a passionate new hunter and and get them fired up about this thing called hunting? You know, and it's I, I think that's important. So I want you to hold that thought for a minute. Cause John, I I, sure. I I don't know. We talk we've talked a lot. I haven't heard you bring up uh, like a mentor or somebody that, that kind of took you under their wing to get you started in this. Can you, can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my buddy's dad, he was a big, uh, mentor in my, uh, hunting. Um, well, I lived in California. Um, and then, you know, we moved away and, or I moved away to South Lake Tahoe for some years and then moved here to North Idaho. And, um, so moving up here, I've got a buddy named Ben and he, uh, he's really taken me under his wing and, uh, showed me a lot. Um, he's, uh, born and raised here in North Idaho. Um, mm-hmm. you know, did, and, uh, did you say you, I, you cut out just a minute there on, on my end there. Did you say you, you got a buddy named Ben that does that? He, he's, he's taking you out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Here in North Idaho. And, um, he's who I went out archery hunting with this year and, um, helped me call, you know, we called some, some elk in and yeah, no, it's, uh, so I would, you know, I would probably say Ben has been my mentor in being a successful hunter up here. Okay. So the, the question that this, this kind of drives me to is when, when you guys look at it, um, actually let me back that up because I want to, I want to set this question up in a way so that you guys understand for somebody like me, that takes a brand new hunter out into the woods. Sometimes we don't know what they don't know. Does that make sense? 
And, and Absolutely. I, I want to bridge that gap. I want to know what they don't know so that I know what is important to teach a new hunter. And so when, when you're, if for, let's uh, take, take your new hunter hats off now and put on a teacher's hat and describe what you think a mentor should know about teaching a new hunter. Does that question make sense? Absolutely. All right. Who wants to take that on first? I'll take it first. All right. That, that's Will, right? So, no, it's Jonathan. It's Jonathan. Okay. Um, you know, maybe just a reading sign and um, kind of showing them what to look for and what is, you know, what's what, what's old, what's new um, territory where you have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, obviously the, the wind wind thermals um weather you know all of that you know it's it's hard to really put it into it's hard to pinpoint something. specific things right? exactly yeah. yeah short make it short and sweet i mean you know you spend a full day with somebody you can lay out you know a pretty good base for them but you know um mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel like sign is probably one of the biggest things because you know I came across sign that I thought was fresh and new and wasn't until I went out with my buddy Ben. He's like, "Oh no, that's two, three, four weeks old." Yeah, and that, and that's a good way to put it, uh, Jonathan. And in terms of like when when you got back from a hunting trip and whether you had a mentor with you or not, and anybody can answer this, like, and that's what I'm I'm driving at here is what went through your mind in terms of gosh, man, I wish I would have known this, or I wish he would have talked about this, uh, or that. And, and I just, I, that's kind of the, the information I'm looking to, to kind of get out of you guys. Um, and the sign is, is always, you know, that it seems like a super obvious one. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it, sign is a really complicated thing. You know, wild game leave a lot of different, uh, types of sign in a lot of different ways. And so, and sometimes that takes a long time to figure out what, what sign is uh i'll give you an example like for bear sign uh i've i've always looked at bear scat thinking that it was always a lot fresher than than what it really was you, you know and and things like that um mike do you have a take on that like what what you would teach a, a new hunter if you were a mentor yeah i think uh i think it, it goes really close to what jonathan said if if you it's, it, but it's, it's finding how much time do you give an area? Uh, because I really found myself, especially that first season, I put all my eggs in one basket and I never saw any indication that elk were there. And I don't know if, if mentally I thought, well, maybe they're going to show up or, or, you know, are they going to come to the party or do I, you know, or I'll look maybe just a little ridge. I just didn't plan a contingency. And I think finding, trying to teach or, convey to someone the timing of hey this spot isn't happening have another spot in your pocket to you know to to go to and know when to pop smoke on an area because it can just be exceedingly frustrating when you have you really think man this is perfect elk habitat there has to be elk in here and they're not there and just because it's perfect elk habitat doesn't mean they're gonna come there so yeah yeah uh, that's a great point I think that's a big thing uh, too, because I think what can kill it for somebody new is is just that frustration of yeah. of 
failure. Yeah, for sure. No, that you you put that perfectly, Mike. With along those lines, you know, and that's a great point. And that's going to be super dependent too. Like, are you hunting high country mule deer, or are you hunting running elk in September? And I could tell you right now. When it comes to running elk in September, if there is not super fresh sign and copious amounts of it, I'm popping smoke right then and there. Like in a matter of minutes, if, if there's not that there, I'm out. I'm out of there. I'm, I'll go 10 drainages 14 miles away, uh, and try somewhere else. But, uh, that's, that's a great, I, that's from my perspective, that is not something I would have thought to, to tell somebody. And, and just like John, Jonathan was saying about, you know, knowing the sign and the, the, how old the sign is, those kinds of things, I wouldn't have thought to say that, and that or, or teach somebody that, I guess. And, and so that's, that's why I'm asking. Uh, Will, you got anything to add to that, that topic? Yeah, actually, I kind of want to throw a curveball in here and go a little bit different direction with that, it, especially with kind of what worked best for me when I was out with the guys for four days. Um, a couple things. One, like if you're going to be in a position to be mentoring somebody or potentially taking somebody out, I would highly recommend meeting with them and maybe doing like a pre-scout trip, not a hunt trip, um, doing something like a pre-scout and spending some time with that person. Oh, I like that. Uh, one, to kind of see their capabilities, but also see how they work. Because everybody, like me growing up, I worked the best by... Uh, I focus really hard on stuff and I pick up a lot of information just by watching, not by being told um, what to do. And then I, and then I try things. Um, and Johnny has kind of a, a, a inside joke nickname for me. He calls me silent. Will cause I almost didn't say anything on that four days that we we're out there um, <laughs> because, uh, cause I was just, I didn't know anything. So I was just listening to the guys. Um, the second thing I would say would be uh, mentoring along the emotional side of hunting because there are crazy highs and there are crazy lows on the mountain. Um, and, and teaching an individual to use those real small victories um, as real high moments for them to keep pushing on, whether it be seeing a three-week-old track or whatever. Um, we talk all the time about once you start to pick up those details, like Mike and Jonathan are talking about, which are excellent points. Mm-hmm. Once you start to see those, the woods just kind of start to come alive. Um, I did a pre-scout trip um, with the guys. We did a trail run. And I mean, Johnny and those guys will be like clipping along running and all of a sudden come to a dead stop. And they're like, I want to show you this sign. And it was like, I'm like brisk walking behind you guys and you guys are streaming by that and you pick it up. Um, it be, the woods come alive once you get out there and you start noticing that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, and then the third thing was the best piece of advice that I was given on my mentor hunt was, um, look for something that doesn't seem natural. Um, that came to spotting a bear. Um, I actually spotted the first bear on our hunting trip and I'd never seen a bear in the wild. Um, and they knew what they were looking for. And it was actually, uh, on a adjacent mountainside, like through the thick, it wasn't even where we were heading. We just stopped on the, uh, on the trail and happened to glass across a valley onto a ridge. And I just happened to have the corner of my eye, notice a small black spot in a big thick green meadow that just 
disappeared quickly. It wasn't a big spot. It was a small spot. It just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I stopped while they continued. And then I locked glass on it. And next thing you know, that thing stood up. And I was like, guys, I got a bear. And they were like, where, where? And I show them. And literally, it was just minutes before that, that Johnny told me, look for something that's not natural. We know how brush grows. We know how things tend to look. Look, uh, an ear flick or just something that just doesn't look natural. Mm-hmm. It was the smallest piece of advice I got. And I was able to glass animals up from bucks to bears to marmots to all sorts of stuff on that trip. Good deal. Um, so for for me, it's in the small details. I feel like there's so much to learn when it comes to sign as far as like how old it is or scat or rubs on trees. Like when I went elk hunting with Doug in December, that was the first time I'd ever seen rubs on a tree. And then I saw thrashing next to it, which led us to believe, okay, there's been a bowl that's been through here and those are fresh. Um, that stuff just kind of starts to engrave in your mind and you just start to to kind of naturally get an eye for that stuff. But, but the, the biggest piece of advice I could give is definitely take them out and do something outdoor or activity related with them before, before you take them out. That's actually, that's really good advice. Uh, will I appreciate that? That's, uh, the other thing that you said that really struck me was the talking about the emotional highs and lows of hunting. Uh And, uh, I'd, I'd love to touch on that with people. Uh, and, and it's something that, that I do talk about a lot with, with folks that, you know, hunting is a highly emotional thing. It's, it's, yeah. And not to cut you off, sorry, but you don't, you don't want to, you don't, when you take a new hunter out, like going on that hunt, that was very physically taxing and an extremely emotional trip for me. My, and that was my very first hunt. Mm -hmm. ever i'd never even carried a rifle in the wild right so um i mean those little details are the difference between i mean if you if that's not a fun experience for that new hunter what are the likelihood like if that trip rained on us and did all that and the trip sucked i mean what's the likelihood that i would want to willingly go out there and do that again yeah yeah for sure and and that's that's the thing is you, you kind of have to, to be a hunter, you really do have to kind of have this uh, certain level of um, joy that you get out of misery. And, and it's, it's this weird combination because hunting can be very miserable, <laughs> right? Embrace, and, the, and embrace, embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. And I love that line. Uh, I, I've seen that as a hashtag and, and it's true. Uh, you have to embrace the suck and, and you have to, the emotional highs and lows that, that, so people that never hunt, they'll they'll never understand how quickly you could go from the lowest to ho- lows to the highest of highs, and then right back down to the lowest of lows. And and mm-hmm. the thing they have to understand is that's that's just part of hunting, and and it's it's that's going to change from day to day to minute to minute to year to year, you know. And and the, it is an emotional roller coaster, and it's because we put so much. I mean, look at it this way: here it is. It's it's the beginning of January. It's cold. There's snow outside in most places. Maybe not for you, Will. Uh, but we've, we've got, we're kind of stuck in the middle of winter here and mm-hmm. what are we doing? We're talking hunting, we're talking hunting and, and hunting's coming. We've got spring turkeys and bear and, and all this stuff coming and it's going to be here before we know it. And, and that's part of the, part of the drive here is, is we're all fired up about hunting and we're talking about it. And then I'm going to release this episode and it's going to go out and, and it's going to get a ton of hunters out there that download this episode and listen to it. 
and they're going to send me emails and want to talk more about this and that. And, and I'm going to respond because I'm fired up about hunting. That's hunting. It's this emotional thing. It's not like it's not. And I've said this a million times. We're not collecting bottle caps. This is not that kind of a hobby. This is a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. And and we, we do have serious emotions uh, about this. It's it's a lifestyle. It's a uh, it, it's a thought that is deeper than other hobbies where it's just you get some enjoyment. This actually fuels our soul. And, and we want to get out there and experience it as much as we can. And so those emotions are are uh, that's a great point to talk about. And so you guys, I, I know we're running a little bit long here. So I, I do have one more question though. Uh, and I think you guys are the perfect uh, guys to answer for, for the listeners out there. Um, let's say we have somebody out there who's never been hunting, but they're, they're uh, thinking about getting into hunting. Um, they're, they're interested. They're, they're getting excited. They're starting to learn things. They're looking into, you know, different weapons and seasons and tags and animals and all this stuff that, that kind of goes into, to becoming a hunter. Um, give us, and, and let's start with you, Will, and we'll just, I'll just go clockwise as to how I have you guys on my screen here. Um, give us what your advice would be, uh, most important to a first year hunter. To a first year hunter, aside from, aside from potentially trying to reach out to somebody via social media or something and just make yourself um, vulnerable to that network um, and maybe somebody you can lean on for advice. Um, all the, all, all the, all the successes in the small details. So scouting is extremely important. Um, get, get real familiar with using uh, things like Onyx maps or whatever type of uh, Google maps and any type of that stuff you like, you like to, uh, you like to use for that and, and do your homework. If you're, if you're, Gonna get out. Just I did a ton of homework with scouting and stuff before I went out on my own trips, and um, and I had some success and I had some serious lows. Um, and, and but the biggest piece of advice I could probably get is set realistic expectations, and that goes for both mentors and new hunters. Um, just make sure you have realistic expectations going into the season. Um. So that you can ride that roller coaster of emotions and, and stay positive, um, and, and you'll you'll do great. That's awesome. Um, the expectations thing is something that we talk about a lot on this show too. Is is having those realistic expectations. So, uh, John, uh, how about you? You're, you're up next. Advice for a new hunter going out for their their first season here in 2021. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you have the drive, just keep keep going. Um, uh, every every time you go out in the woods, you will learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. You know, just just keep just keep going um, and catch on to uh, consistencies. You'll start to notice where certain things are, certain things aren't. Um, start to notice that stuff. But yeah, just don't give up. More or less. That's a that's a great point. Um, one th- the way I described this one time, and this just kind of came to me out of the blue. Uh, this was a couple months back, but um, in terms of not giving up, you have to look at uh, we we had just mentioned ten minutes ago about embracing the suck, right? Um, and and just yep. understanding the emotional roller coaster that goes up and down throughout throughout the hunting season and 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 all that. But you have to kind of look at it like from a financial perspective. You have to think of of embracing the suck as paying out money 
and you have to pay a certain amount of dollars out in order to start getting dollars back, right? And mm-hmm. and that's that's of a course. huge part of hunting. You you really do, with the exception of those those um, those folks that we were talking about earlier that that. Uh, you know, they just bought their bow. I think, I think Mike was talking about this. They just bought their bow, uh, probably from Walmart and went out and sh- shot a 300 inch bull. Um, you know, that, that's all, that's all fine and dandy and everything. But, um, for most of us, we have to pay out a certain amount of suck in order to get the glory back. Right. <laughs> and, and that is oh, just yeah. how that works. And so that's, that's great advice, Jonathan. Um, all right, Mike. We are, uh, we're on you. What advice do you give a first year hunter going out for their first time in 2021? I think Will and John really hit on some, some very key points. I think expectation management is, is, uh, going to be a key towards keeping someone hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I really think, uh, knowing your limitations, like really understanding what you're undertaking. You know, if you're, if you're going to go after a, you know, a mule deer, how far are you, are, are you, are you hunting with a group or are you hunting by yourself? How far can you realistically pack that thing out? And that, that stuff needs to happen um, in the planning stage because otherwise you're kind of, you, you can be setting yourself up for some, some real heartburn um, in the, in the long yeah. term. I think you just have to have that honest conversation with yourself of, you know, if I do get something, Am I going to be able to get it out uh, on my own from, you know, from this spot? And, and, and it's not a deal breaker. Like, just don't be afraid to go out and try it. Yeah, you may need to draw a circle on your hunting spot, a three-mile circle, and say, this is the area that I'm going to hunt because it, this, this is where I can get an animal out um, if, if I need to. But that seems to be, at least for me, uh, it's, that, it's that process of, of if, I, if I kill something, I, 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 I owe it to the animal to and to myself for the work to, I want the meat. I want to be able to get it all out and not, and not waste any. So, uh, and that means I'm not going to, you know, in, in my condition, I'm not going to be 12 miles in and, and knock an elk down by myself. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Gosh, I don't, I don't know if I could have picked three better dudes to come on this show and talk about this. <laughs> stuff. You, you guys are awesome. I, I, I appreciate it. Like this is, this is a great, this has been a great conversation, and uh, I lied to you about that being the last question because one just popped into my mind. Um, Mike, <laughs> let's start with you. How how has hunting changed you as a man? Um, I think it's it's uh, it's probably hurt me at work because I because I <laughs> I mean I. You know, I, I'm, I, you know, I've been doing this job for a long time and, and it requires a lot of time and everything else. And I, I'd saved up a ton of vacation time through the years, but, uh, uh, it is just, uh, and I might be that type of person in other, in other aspects. When I was rock climbing, I kind of was an all in, like I'd really get, when I got into something, it captured all my attention, but, uh, hunting mm-hmm. is kind of t- place of a lot of other things, you know, because I can do it by myself, you know, and, 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 uh, um, so I think it's just that, that heightened focus. Um, I spend a lot of time, a lot more time in the back country, uh, now because I, I scout pretty extensively, um, in the, in the spring and early summer. So, uh, and it's, that's provided a good outlet for me from the stresses of work to where I think I, I find myself a lot more relaxed, uh, a lot more relaxed on my time off. 
uh, from work. And, and uh, when I do go to work, I'm, I'm far more fresh going through the door uh, and ready to take what comes. Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff, Mike. That's that's really good insight. Um, and and, uh, y- you know, I was telling you, I don't know, I don't want I, I don't want to get into some long story, but um, you guys in Rifle, Colorado are a different breed. OK, uh, I told you my my grandpa, he was from Rifle, Colorado. Uh, and this was back in like, you know, uh, I'm getting old. So when he was in Rifle, Colorado, we're talking about it's just coming out of the old Wild West days kind of thing. Um, but uh, in fact, I'll tell you what I mean by you guys are a different breed. You know how my grandpa died? He didn't die like normal grandpas die. OK, he got in his truck in April and drove it up on a mountain, got it stuck in some snow uh, way back in the back country and was extremely diabetic at this time in his life uh, and tried hiking off that mountain and died of hypothermia. We looked for days for my grandpa. It was all over the news and everything. Um, and that's how my grandpa went out. And that's, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, painful at the time, but we're talking that that's a decade ago now, but uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know why I really bring that up now other than you being from rifle reminds me of that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. everybody I've met from rifle Colorado has been, uh, very much along the lines of, uh, you guys are dedicated. You're serious about what you're doing. And, and there's just something about that little neck of the woods down there that, um, that leaves me with that thought process. So I appreciate it. Um, Okay, going back, uh, moving back on the on the scale here, Jonathan. Um, how has hunting changed you, man? <laughs> you just asked my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you spend oh, more money. Man. Let me guess. It's, you spend a lot more money. Oh uh, well, it's, uh, we won't talk about that. Okay, we'll listen to this later. <laughs> okay, we, let's, we'll just keep that off. The no, <laughs> uh, no, it's. Um, that's all I want to do. That's it. It's, I want to, you know, I, I got very lucky and fortunate and harvested a cougar as well, along with some deer and, uh, you know, just putting meat in the freezer. That's all, that's all I want to do. I just want to provide now. I want to hunt. I it's, have you, it's did you all, eat the cougar? Yeah. Of course I did. What, what I just made 19 like pounds of breakfast sausage. Oh, did you really? It's great. It's amazing. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yep. I've never had cougar. Yep. I, I've never had cougar. So that's, that's, uh, I highly suggest if you get a chance to, um, eat it. It's, uh, very similar to pork. Um, it's a little sweeter. Uh, ah, obviously, you know, you have to, you, you have to cook it, you know, to, to 160 degrees. They do have possibility of trichinosis yeah. because they are, just, you know, carnivores. Just like bear. Um, so, yep. Uh, did a lot of crock pot tacos with it, hmm. but um, yeah, no, it's. I might, yeah, I might have to call. I, I, I want to do now. If I get a cougar, I'm going to call you for some tips on on how to uh, cook them, basically, because uh, I know nothing I mean, about them. Yeah, yeah, that's well, awesome. And, Did you? you, know, were you I don't. I don't either. Or? I yeah. was uh, <laughs> so I was doing a. I'm a plumber doing a side job for someone, and they had a big run in with a tom, and uh, it was a couple weeks later. And they called a couple guys to rent some dogs and I was leaving the guy's house and he's like, he got a phone call. I was like, Hey, uh, the guys I called, they got a big female tree. You got a tag. And I was like, yeah. And just went out and harvested a cougar. Awesome. Cool, <laughs> was, man. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. 
just it's, it's you save luck, some uh, you luck, save luck, some luck, calves luck. and some fawns doing that. So um, we appreciate yep. you for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, how about yeah. Will? How about uh, Will? Uh, how have you? How has how has hunting changed you? So uh, hunting for me has uh, provided me the ability to flush out aspects um, of my life, be it habits or uh, relationships. This last year that were preventing me from. Uh, doing and going after what I truly want to be happy. I flushed some relationships out of my life. I got vulnerable. I created a, a really tight new circle of uh, individuals who are brothers and family. Um, and honestly, I just, I found true happiness this last year. I dig it. That's, uh, that's heavy, man. Uh, I, I, cause I, I think uh, one thing that I, I, I don't know of when, when I look at people that have never hunted in their life and, and I, I look at, you know, some of the directions they choose to take and, and, and the things that they choose to kind of pass the time, so to speak, outside of work and family and things. And I, I often wonder, uh, without hunting, how grounded of a man I would be, you know, what, what, would occupy my mind if I didn't have hunting. And, and it's something that it, it, it's kind of bothersome to me in a way. And, and so not that I'm, you know, not that I think that there's anything wrong with people that choose not to hunt. I, I really don't. It's just in my mind, that is what grounds me. It gives me, it gives me a really good solid uh, sense of direction, so to speak in life. And because it's, it's this, this constant, you know, it's like that, that North star that's always up there that, that just kind of leads away. And, and really that's, that's what a lot of, a lot of it is for me for, for hunting. It's, it's this pursuit that never ends. And, and this, this question that never gets answered and, and that without that kind of pursuit, what else is there? And, and I know that there are other things in life that can, that can guide that and, and that can create that kind of uh, impact on a person's life. But for me, it's hunting. And I, and I, and my life would be bleak without it, if that makes sense. And so, uh, you guys have, you guys have offered some really good insight on this conversation. Um, I, I, I really, I feel like I, I, man, we had, so we had like 10 people write in that were, um, really interested in this the first week. And I think you guys were all within that first week. And then it was funny, the second week after that, that elk panel episode was released, I had like uh, 50 or 60 people write in, but you guys were in that. Oh, yeah. So you guys were in that first group of 10 and I, I really <laughs> liked um, your responses and the way that you talked about that and, and came up, um, you know, with the exception of Will, Will, I reached out to you because uh, Johnny Mack had recommended that. And uh, when Johnny Max says something, I trust his word on that. And so that's that's kind of how, how this whole thing came about. And so so I just appreciate you guys coming on. I, I feel like uh, these were this was a great choice to have you guys on. Will, Mike, Jonathan, um, I, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I feel like you guys are, are really good representation of, of what hunters should be, whether you're a new hunter or a veteran hunter. And I appreciate you guys coming on the show to share your insights on this. And uh, I think people are going to get a lot out of this. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks a bunch for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah.
So we really appreciate it. We might have to do Thank like you. a check-in uh, like next year, you know, after, after next season, let's see how you guys still feel about hunting. Are you still fired up about it? <laughs> I'm going to, Oh I'm my gosh. I'm I'm a, can't, I'm I can't wait for September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, who, who else was talking there? Somebody, Jonathan, was that uh, you? I was just, I, no, it was Will. I was just saying, I'm going to come see you here in a few months when I pass through Idaho. You come on through, man. I'm uh, just north out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You come and see me, and uh, we're coming we can... right through there. Awesome. That's, that's get a hold of me too, there, Will. All right, brother. I'm just right there. I'm Jim's. I'm Jim's neighbor. You got it. So we're all up here in the northwest, and we got Mike down there in Colorado. He's like, man, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Mike's going to have to take a road trip and come see us in North Idaho too. We'll right, do it. <laughs> thanks again guys for coming on this was uh this was awesome thank you brother yeah thanks jim for having us thanks you made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.